Well, good morning to KCC and welcome to this morning's online KCC service. Thank you for joining us and we're going to be continuing in our series, Who Do You Follow? Today we're going to be thinking specifically about called to trust Jesus and we're thinking from Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 45 to 52. So if you've got a Bible, it'd be great if you can get hold of one of these and just get it ready for tracking with me during the sermon. And when we get to those points, we'll be looking at those in the Bible and I'll have slides behind me for illustrating other points. So let's pray together and ask for God's help. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together. We thank you that your word speaks truth into our life. We thank you that you help us to understand this by your Holy Spirit. And so we're asking for your Holy Spirit's help in both as I preach, but also as we listen. And help us to not just be those who preach or listen, but to be hearers of your word and doers of your word. So we pray for transformation in our lives. Help us to become more like Jesus. Help us to live out the goodness of the gospel. Help us by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're thinking about called to trust Jesus, looking at Mark 6. And I want to draw out three key points from this text that we have. Uh, I want us to think about trust Jesus to direct us, trust Jesus sees us, and trust Jesus is with us. So that we trust Jesus to direct us, trust Jesus sees us, and trust that Jesus is with us. And these are really uh, simple but profound points that we're going to see in quite a short text as we go through this, that we are called to trust Jesus. If you're from Edinburgh or you've lived in Edinburgh for long enough, you will be aware of the ha that can come in across Edinburgh. And the ha is a sea mist, as it were, that comes in off the fourth, that normally in the spring and the summer when it's a lovely sunny day, and it's really hot, and as that heat goes over the, the cold water, we get this har coming in. And you could be in Princess Street, and it'd be a lovely sunny day, and suddenly this har, this mist, as otherwise known around the world probably, comes up Princess Street, and you can quite clearly see Edinburgh Castle, and suddenly it seems to disappear behind this har. Or you can go to Waverley train station and you're heading for a train and suddenly it seems to disappear behind this mist. Or you're walking along and you see Scott's Monument and it seems to disappear. What was big is suddenly hidden. And so when it comes to trusting God, it can sometimes feel like that there is a spiritual mist. There is a spiritual heart that rolls in. And at this time that we're in, this time of a global pandemic, it can also feel like that. For some months prior to this pandemic happening, I was preaching about a sense of change coming in the desire to see revival, in the desire to see that God would bring about change, that God would revive this land as we humble ourselves, as we repent, and as we pray that we would see God at work. And that's still the desire. 
But in praying and preaching towards that, we suddenly see this sort of gear change and if you like this mist coming in where it seems that so much is uncertain that God is still there, God is still at work, he still wants to save, he still wants to change lives, but there seems to be uncertainty and there seems to be uh, a mist that's descended where we cannot quite clearly see the direction of travel. And I wonder whether you feel like that in your own life today, whether it seems as if God seems distant, it seems as if the prayers that you pray don't seem to be answered, or at least not answered in the way that you want. It seems hard to read your Bible. It seems hard to connect with others and pray. Well, God is still present and Jesus is still for us, despite that spiritual ha that might be present at times. And we're gonna see what some of that looks like in terms of following him in challenging times and trusting in Jesus and what that actually looks like in this text. So we're to trust Jesus directs us. Well, how do we see that? In Mark 6, 45 to 47, let's read that together. Immediately in verse 45 of chapter six, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. So Jesus directs us and he directed the disciples very clearly. And it's quite a sort of stark image here when we think about it. This image behind me is that of the Sea of Galilee and some of the hills and the mountains around them. And Jesus, having been ministering with them, having fed the 5,000, then says to the disciples, go on ahead of me. He wants them to trust his direction. So far, they've done everything with him. They've been with him, they've traveled with him, they've seen him speaking with people, praying for people, talking with people, demonstrating the kingdom. And yet now he says, I want you to go on ahead of me and he dismissed the crowd and then he went up on the mountain to pray. So the disciples are there in a boat in one place and Jesus is in a very different place. And he directed them, he directed them very clearly to go ahead of him. And so we need to trust Jesus directs us through his word. He speaks truth and we need to trust the word that he speaks to us, trust that he has a plan for us, trust that he's directing us. And it may have felt scary for the disciples to think, well, why is he going off and leaving us and sending us ahead? I thought we were to follow him. I thought we were in this together. I thought that we did everything together. Really helpfully, Paul Tripp says that God will take you where you haven't intended to go in order to produce in you what you could not achieve on your own. Let me read that again for you. It takes a while to sink in. God will take you where you haven't intended to go in order to produce in you what you could not achieve on your own. 
so that the disciples were sent off to go off on their own and it wasn't their intention to do that on their own they wanted to go wherever Jesus was leading them and they wanted to go with him and so in life God will take you where you haven't intended to go in order to produce what you could not achieve on your own well what does that look like we see for some of us he's he's taken us into a job where we maybe didn't intend to go but he's teaching us patience in that job he's teaching us to love our work colleagues he's teaching us to be patient and to trust him and that our work is not everything for some of us he's taken us down a route of ill health and we wonder sometimes what is going on but what he's producing in us is trust and patience. He's producing in us perseverance. He wants to produce in us more Christ-like qualities. For some of us, there are challenges both seen and hidden in our lives where he wants to intend that we would depend on him in these challenges in order that by his grace he will do a work in our life and that he will produce the fragrance of Jesus in us so that when people look at your life and my life they see that we're becoming more like Jesus because he will take you where you haven't intended to go and also to produce what you could not achieve on your own and ultimately that is that we are saved by grace and we live by grace and we demonstrate the goodness of his grace by the way that we live and trust him and so people might say to you what's your five-year plan what are you doing at school what exams are you doing where are you going what are you going to do with your life and that we have to have this plan and intention it's not wrong to have plans but the disciples were told very clearly go get in the boat go ahead of me I'm off here to pray and they had to trust Jesus and Jesus did this for a reason that he wanted them to learn what it is to trust him for direction in a way that they'd never done before and often this happens in our life that we're going through something and we almost are going down a road and we come across potholes if you ride a bike you'll know what I mean you'd sooner go down a road that's smooth than having to avoid all the potholes but sometimes there's a roadblock and he takes you in a different direction and he takes you down that different road for a reason because he wants us to learn to depend on him and to grow by grace and that is what he was doing with the disciples and then we carry on in verses 48 uh, to 50 we see he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them about the fourth watch of the night he went out to them walking on the lake he was about to pass by them but when they saw him walking on the lake they thought he was a ghost they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified immediately he spoke to them and said take courage it is I don't be afraid so here we see that they are in the boat in the sea and Jesus is on the land and I think there's a really profound point to make here is that though they were in trouble though they were roaring against the elements with these oars and struggling to find their way Jesus saw them Jesus saw them from the land he saw them in trouble 
He knew where they were. And amazingly, Jesus sees us. He sees you today, even though it means there might be a siha around you and you're struggling to look for direction. Even though it might feel that God is distant, Jesus sees you today. Jesus sees you and he knows you. Jesus knows you by name. He sees you and he knows you and he knows you by name and he calls you to himself. And that is really important for us because we tend to think with a perspective about us thinking about who Jesus is, where God is, and it all revolves around our own perception. But when we take a step back from that, when the disciples took a step back from that, Jesus was on the land and he could see them. He saw the troubles that they were in. He knew the troubles that they were in. He knew them by name. He'd already called them by name as he does to us as we put our faith and trust in him. And so we see in these verses that he saw the disciples straining because the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, so this has gone on through the night. We're coming into the dawn now. This is not just that they were in trouble for five minutes. This has been going on, it seems, all night. He then went out to them. He saw them. He went out to them and he walked on the water. Incredible, walked on the lake. So it's just a reminder that Jesus is the Son of God. He is majestic. He's able to walk on the water. He's able to demonstrate the power of God. Went out to them, walking on the lake. And it says he was about to pass them by. But when they saw him, when they saw him walking on the lake, they cried out to him. So he knew where they were. He was available to help them. He was available to intercede and to interject into their situation. But when they saw him, they were amazed and they cried out, but they were also terrified. So there's this reminder that actually it's one thing to be amazed about who Jesus is. It's one thing to be terrified about Jesus, but it's actually another thing to trust in Jesus and to see him as our savior, as the one who has come, who knows us by name, who calls us by name and is willing to give his life for us. And immediately he spoke to them. And notice what he says. He doesn't say, well, I told you to go ahead and you're really a bunch of slackers. You really did not do what I asked you to do. He doesn't kind of go heavy on them in that way. He's gentle and he's kind. And he says to them, take courage, take courage. Don't be afraid. He says, it is I. And that's important because he's revealing this Yahweh, this I am. Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. So he comes and he meets them in the midst of their turmoil. He sees them. He's already been directing them. Now he sees them and he sees them and he sees us. And he says to them, take courage. Don't be afraid. And and it's so easy for us in the age that we're in to maybe be afraid and to not take courage, but to be discouraged. And I want us to be able to see this picture of Jesus as the one who sees us, as the one who comes to us, and that will take courage, that will pray, Lord, give me courage 
when it's easy to feel discouraged, when it's easy to feel afraid, would you fill us with your courage? Would you enable us to know your presence, that we would not be afraid, that we know the goodness of Jesus, that we know the closeness of Jesus with us? And Psalm 56 verses 3 to 4 say, When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? And isn't it interesting, this this confirmation of this psalm, the, the psalmist cry, that he says, when I'm afraid, so it's not that we're not going to be afraid, that becoming a Christian doesn't mean to say that suddenly you stop being afraid, but that when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. So when I'm afraid, I can try and deal with it in my own strength, try and deal with it in my own way, run to whatever I find and escaping. Or I can put my trust in Christ, in God whose word I praise, that we can lift up our eyes in worship and not worry. It's easier said than done, I know, when things are coming in on you on a Wednesday or a Thursday or Friday, when the week is busy, when kids are running around, when you've got bills to pay, but it's putting our faith in Christ, our trust in Christ and praising him and saying that I will not be, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? So it's remembering this eternal perspective that Jesus gives us hope, not just for now, but for eternity when we recognize that Jesus has come and has died and has risen again, has defeated death, ascended to heaven, will come back one day and make all things new. And the third point that we're pulling out here is that we trust Jesus is with us. Look at verses 51 to 52. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down and they were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Okay, so we've got this first bit that's easier to understand they climbed into the boat with them. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. Great. So he came to them. He knew them by name. He saved them. He got into the boat and the wind died down. Incredible. His presence was enough and his authority was enough that the wind died down. And they were completely amazed. So they were amazed as we would be in such a circumstance as many others. But it says, for they had not understood about the loaves, their hearts were hardened. So this is a really significant point to make. We can be amazed by Jesus. We can know about Jesus. We can come to church. We can sing praises. We can be involved in Sunday school, be involved in youth ministry, be involved in caring for the poor. We can be amazed about Jesus, but not really truly know Jesus. Our hearts can be hardened as theirs were in this circumstance. Well, what does this mean that their hearts were hardened? Well, it's a reference back to the context that just before that of the feeding of the 5,000, that they've been hanging out with Jesus, they've been seeing Jesus's ministry, that they by now should recognize that this is the Messiah, this is the King. That the reference to the bread and the hardening of the heart is as, as back in the Old Testament, as Israel was provided with manna from heaven. And so the great I am is providing 5,000 people with bread. He's not just running some supercharged soup kitchen or some kind of provision for the poor just for some kind of an amazing trick. 
he's mirroring what's going on in terms of God providing manna for those in Israel in the wilderness. And he's demonstrating that he is the great I am. He's demonstrating that he's not just a guy who does some amazing things, but he's the son of God who will provide for us the bread that we need for eternity. And they hadn't understood that. They hadn't understood the significance of Jesus feeding the 5,000. They hadn't understood the significance of him now walking on water and demonstrating that he truly is the Messiah, the King, the Son of God. And Alan Cole in his commentary, the Tyndall commentary, says that the smallness of faith is a failure to remember God's working in the past and to apply that knowledge of his nature to our present problems. The smallness of faith is a failure to remember God's working in the past. So they'd forgotten really, okay, this is the story of Israel. God was faithful to his people, then they exercised faith. So it's, we fail to remember what's God in the past when we have smallness of faith. And we fail not only to remember what's happened in the past, but to apply that knowledge to our present problems. Have you noticed that in your own life? And I noticed that in my life. That when the storms are raging around us, it can be easy to forget, well, how has God been faithful to me in the past? I've faced these problems with my family in the past. I've faced these problems in work. I've faced these problems in ministry. And how has he helped me in the past? We can so get caught up with the waves that are splashing around our face in the moment that we forget to stand back, remember, give thanks and pray. And so we are to trust that Jesus is with us, that Jesus got into the boat. He calmed the storm, but he showed them that he was truly God. And so as we come to a close, are we going to just simply move around in a spiritual heart? Or are we willing to see that Jesus is there despite challenges, despite struggles, despite trials, despite uncertainties? It may be right now that you feel so pressured in your work. It feels like you cannot get everything done by the end of the day. It just feels like this mist is around you. Well, trust Jesus to direct you as he has done in the past and seek out his help through prayer. Trust that he will change and transform you in your situation. Maybe you're in a situation where it just feels like it's so pressurizing with your family for a whole range of circumstances right now. It just seems like a great miss where God seems to be distant. Well, Jesus is there. He sees you. He knows your struggles. He knows your challenges and he is with you and his grace is enough. Trust him today. Maybe this mist is that actually we don't know Jesus that we are somebody who's never put our faith and trust in him. And that actually there feels like this divide. We can put our faith and trust in him today, knowing that he will forgive us and that he will make us right with God for now and eternity. And we can hear all this and we may have put our faith and trust in Jesus. We may see he directs us. We may see 
that he is the one who sees us and that, that Jesus is with us. But I wonder sometimes if we see this a bit like a contract rather than a deep growing relationship. What do I mean by that? Well, as I close, this is what I mean. Is that we can say that we've put our faith and trust in Jesus, that we've repented of our sins, that we see that Jesus is our saviour and that we will one day be with him in heaven. But what does that mean for now? You see, if it's simply just a case of like signing a contract, like I am going to do this deal and I will then have eternity with Jesus, then actually we don't quite fully understand how this works because this is a covenant relationship that we enter into with Jesus, that actually we can know the Father and the love of the Father. We can know the love of the Son changing and transforming us into his likeness. And we can know the work of the Spirit sanctifying us and enabling us to live in the power of the Spirit, to be a new creation, to live in a different way. And so it's not just a case of I signed a contract, I did a deal, I'm one day going to heaven. But that we trust in Jesus now, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, and that we ask that we become more like him now that as we seek his face and as he changes us, that I should become kinder, more compassionate, more loving, caring for justice, caring for the poor, caring for my neighbor, loving others, preferring others over myself, because that is Christ-like. And so to trust in Jesus fully means that we will see transformation. And so that you should see that in my life and I should see that in your life and I should pray for that in your life and you should pray for that in my life. And as a church, we should pray that as we trust in Jesus, that we haven't just done some contractual deal, but that actually as a covenantal community, we will see us growing in love for him and each other, that we will see a difference as we do that and we urge and encourage one, uh, one another on in that, that we should be asking one another, how are we doing in that area? What can I pray for you in terms of your walk with God? Let us encourage one another to keep trusting in Jesus. So what's our response? We are to trust Jesus to direct us. Let's pray that indeed he would direct us as individuals, as families, as his family of God in KCC. Would he direct us at this time? We're to trust Jesus sees us so that if at the moment we're challenged, we're struggling, we feel that God is distant, know this assurance that Jesus sees you, he knows you better than you know yourself. And that we're to trust that Jesus is with us, that Jesus is with us in the boat, that he loves us, he cares for us, and he wants us to know him. May we desire to delight in him and know him today too. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this truth that we're taught in these few verses of Mark, that we see how much you love us and you love the disciples. And your desire for them was not just to simply be amazed by you, not just simply to be thinking how great you are, but to know you and to trust you and to put their faith in you and to be changed by you. And so my prayer is, is that we would do the same too. Help us to trust you, to be filled with courage. Give us your boldness. Give us your 
compassion and passion and fill us with your spirit that we might truly know that we are yours and that we know that assurance changing us day by day. And so help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks so much for listening. And as always, we would love to hear from you. There is no way that everyone out there watching this is perfect. There's no way that anyone out there doesn't have any challenges and problems at the moment. And so Colin and I would love to hear from you. What can we pray for you? Uh, what can we talk with you about if you need uh, help, direction, spiritual guidance? Um, we would love to hear any questions that you've got, uh, any concerns, any comments, and how we might be able to help you um, as part of this community that we've been talking about. So I pray that you will indeed trust Jesus this week as I look to trust him too by his grace. Thanks so much for listening. God bless. Have a great week.